0: What kind of impact does a senior film project in Africa have on one's career and life path? How do you balance a career in digital media while preparing to apply to medical school? Why is it important to do activities that fit your narrative? And how does knowing your strengths help you as a non-traditional applicant? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Sam, a first-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Okay, well, got a great guest again today. Uh, Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Incoming first year medical students. Yeah. How does it excited. feel? I'm like a long journey that's just about to start, mm-hmm. and I'm very
1: excited. Yeah.
0: When did the dream of becoming a doctor, where where did that start for you?
1: I mean, as a kid, everyone toys with the dreams, right? Mm-hmm. For me, the, the reality hit uh, after I graduated college, and I was on a humanitarian trip trying to find out my next steps. Mm-hmm. Spent some time with a physician who was treating patients there. And since I speak Spanish, I, I made a really close connection with one of them who was given... A prosthetic to help him get back into his life. Because mm-hmm. of social media, we connected again on Facebook. He kept up with me, and just seeing the changes that that made in his life over the next few months, and not only in his you know morale, but being able to go back to work and, and provide for his family, mm-hmm. showed me the differences in, in, in the ability to help others in humanitarian work versus like medical work which i think can really be sustainable if done correctly so
0: so it said uh, have, this happened after you graduated from college. right so what did you study undergrad i studied digital media at utah valley so a big jump yeah you know going to medicine
1: yeah so. i originally had gotten a software uh, job at a software company down in lehigh mm-hmm. and while working there was kind of looking for something else thinking that i wasn't quite
0: didn't feel content jazzed, yeah, yeah with the field so mm-hmm. Though, you know, IT, computer, you know, all that stuff, it's pretty big. Like, startups. It is. I mean, especially here in Utah, it's growing and growing. Well, in
1: Lehigh, I mean, the company I started working for had 60 people, and now there's 600. So it was awesome to see the growth, and I learned a lot about business through it. And Mm -hmm. I think that'll help me in my career
0: as I move forward as well. So as you started switching from digital media computers to pre-med, I mean, did you have any doubts along the way, or was it kind of a smooth transition? I mean, how did that look like? I feel lucky in the sense that being older, being
1: non-traditional, once I actually determined that's what I was going to do, I didn't doubt it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of bumps in the road, however, because digital media is very much a creative field where you know the sciences, especially the basic sciences, are all very rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's creative ways to study and to learn and do all that, which I applied and learned, but it took me a semester or two to get used to it. And seeing as how the only science class I had in my undergrad was like bio 1010, <laughs> I had to start from scratch, wow. you know, entry bio, entry chem, mm-hmm. all that. So
0: so how did you balance that with a, a career in, you know, digital media while you're trying to, you know, take classes, study for the MCAT? I mean, how did you do that? I was
1: very fortunate that my, my career and my success in my career basically led me to have the freedom to take some time off when I needed it. Mm-hmm. They also allowed me to you know, study when I needed to work shorter hours when I needed to. And I think just my work ethic at, at my job and my career at that point never dipped. And I, I can, I maintained the same level of professionalism. And so they let me kind of take the reins with my future.
0: So mm-hmm. okay. awesome. And it was great. your family was behind you the entire time.
1: Yeah. I They're trying to like, Sam,
0: what are you doing? What's going on? Are you yeah, sure my, about this? My yeah. dad's big
1: into education. He's very okay. positive and supportive. Um, and I think, you know, everyone in my family just thought it was a great idea, and mm-hmm. they, they believed that I could work hard and, and make it there. So,
0: Do you come from a family of healthcare or physicians? No, or? Okay. my dad
1: was a CPA. Okay. Uh, my mom is a, into gardening. She's a master of horticulture. She Oh, cool. Yeah, she's she, her backyard's the Garden of Eden, basically. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no one else in my family came from that. So luckily, my dad, being a CPA, had a lot of physician clients who I had a lot of shadowing opportunities through. So very quickly, like my first semester, I was shadowing and trying to make sure it was the right path and that, you know, my interests were there. And I I think that's one of the the big solidifiers of where I went was Mm -hmm. I shadowed so quickly that I was like, Everything was so exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just continued to be more and more interested in every facet that I saw of medicine. So,
0: And I think you, you also made films, right? I, I, I did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so talk about so, that. When did that start, and, and yeah, how'd you get into that? Yeah. So
1: digital media is pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, at, the, at, the, at UVU, they have a lot of opportunities for different focuses. I actually ended up doing a focus on sound and engineering, and my original goal was I was going to, you know, jump to LA and get into film and television and... Mm-hmm. You know, maybe live life under the bright lights, I guess. You could be a
0: director for Avengers
1: Part 10. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jump on the Disney train. Yeah. Uh, but so I, I got into some films that way, obviously for projects and for, you know, commercials and different things that you have to do for for your grades and for the classwork. Um, I went to Africa for my senior project, mm. and we did a documentary um, slash, like promotional film for the work that UVU does with the Digital Namibian Archive and with UNESCO out in Namibia. Mm. And that's kind of where I was like, well, maybe there's more, not necessarily that I couldn't stay in digital media, maybe there's more than just moving to LA and like being, you know, maybe there's something else I can do. And it was pretty transformative for me um, as far as like wanting to do something outside myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I kind of started looking in, into maybe a different path or a different career
0: mm-hmm. um, would you be in the videos or would you just kind of narrate it or you'd be behind the camera i mean mostly I, what, was
1: camera work okay.
0: editing work okay.
1: um, you know storyboarding okay. ca- kind of produce work mm-hmm. producing type jobs never was i like an actor or you know i don't know that i have the face for television so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sam you're beautiful so <laughs> thank you um and then did you like did because i know Again, I don't know too much about this world. Um, I know that there are contests and people can submit, you know, their their movies to right. different kind of, you know, ways to be judged and things like that. I mean, did any of your work get published or is it sitting on YouTube right now? I mean, could can someone go and find it? And did you get any awards for it? Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, this was back in 2010, actually. Oh, really? So okay. YouTube was around, but it okay. wasn't as big. Um, I would like. I would like to say that I did more with it, but mm-hmm. I think once that, that trip happened, I kind of started looking elsewhere. Okay. So I did have a Vimeo account where I posted some personal projects and I know our, our video got used mm-hmm. for a couple of years and then someone made a new one. And then, you know, the project at this point is over, um, cause it was part of a Fulbright at the time. So uh, yeah, not really. Okay. I mean, it's, it, it's something I still have very much part of my life as far as appreciation for media, mm-hmm. photography, um, but not something real big on my resume like that.
0: All right. Okay. Let's focus on medical school applications because I know this was a difficult journey. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, just talk about that. I mean, how, how was that like, you know, how many times? Yeah. Let's go through that. So
1: yeah, I applied three times. Um, The first time I made the choice, Mm -hmm. we'll say, to apply before I knew my MCAT score, Um, and I applied only to the U, and I didn't perform nearly as well as I had liked, Mm -hmm. and so I kind of just punted for the next season, I'll Mm -hmm. say. Um, So I had to step back and really evaluate a lot of uh, what I was doing. Um, I got an interview, obviously, and -hmm. and had some great things told to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I met up with Mayumi, who helped me kind of make steps and plans for what I should do moving forward. Okay. And so for the second time, we kind of talked about my experiences and really showing my, my personal growth and my interest in medicine. Mm-hmm. And we talked about adding some new experiences and really shoring up some others.
0: Cause that's kind of, I mean, to me coming from a non-traditional background, it's both a blessing and a curse, right? You have these different experiences, but then again, like you're, you need to kind of convince the missions committee like, hey, you know, I'm just, this is something I'm very serious about and I don't have a lot of background in doing this stuff. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm glad you, you got some feedback. I'm glad that's good. Yeah. yeah
1: the, you know, the, the pre-professional program here is awesome. Mm-hmm. Miami's awesome and, and she really kind of is direct and, and blunt to mm-hmm. a sense, but she's also very kind and, and helps you plan, make the right plans. So she helped me establish that because yeah, like being non-traditional mm-hmm. before I started shadowing, I had very little experience except for maybe, you know, all the times I went to the ER as a kid, mm-hmm. just injuring myself. <laughs> so the, the experiences that I added, I felt like really helped solidify my interest, but also show, you know, my story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the important things is when you add experiences Don't do something that looks good. Do something that fits your story, that fits your passion. Your narrative, yeah. Who you
0: are, yeah.
1: And what you want out of medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I really want to do global health. So I continued to add things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Locally, I I continued to work at Malihe because I love working with the Spanish population. And I think over the course of my applications, you know, I I ended up uh, working there for about three years. So that really showed. I think to the committee that, you know, I was serious about this, that I mm-hmm. wanted more experience and, you know, that I was a big part of jumping into that. So
0: did you ever want to give up? Uh, no. Okay.
1: You know, I thought after this last round, um, if I didn't get in, I may need to not reapply right away. I mm-hmm. to take, take a break, get a master's or, or really well, take a step back.
0: But this last round you got in here, obviously, but I think you got into other schools too. I did, yeah. yeah I so like, it was kind of like yeah. this validation. Almost. It was, yeah. It, you know, when I got my first acceptance, I actually
1: was just coming back from from New Year's in Costa Rica, and I was so elated. It mm-hmm. was it was so crazy to just kind of see it come full circle. Um, but I think for me, with this last time, there's a couple things that I did really well. That I, you know, as a non traditional student, it's very hard mm-hmm. because a lot of times you don't have anyone to talk to.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah, I can talk to Miami, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, I don't have a peer. I don't. I mean, I had classes, but for me, I was taking all night classes as much as I could. I didn't go to a lot of the study groups because I had to go back to work. So a lot of times you don't form the same relationships when you're working full-time and studying that you might normally, you mm-hmm. know, as a student. So I didn't have a lot of peers to connect with. Um, so I actually met, I found out a friend from college had gone to medical school. His, his name's Dr. Oleski. He's actually doing a residency in UCLA now. Mm-hmm. And he really helped me this last time, really formed my narrative and helped ask the right questions so that I could make maybe you know, just better paint the picture, you know, my hopes and dreams in my application. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is not a lot changed, but a lot of it's just contemplating mm-hmm. who you are, why you're here, mm-hmm. you know, and making sure that shows on paper. It's like, it's like a creative writing process basically. Um, and then obviously I retook the MCAT, which. Mm-hmm.
0: You, know, you did I much better learned. if I recall. I did much, much better. Yeah. <laughs> so the secret so, is, is wait till you're older and then you'll do better. In the right. Yeah. And, well, and even the first
1: time it's like, with the MCAT, don't take it if you're not ready. Yeah. With medicine, you know, the old adage is it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. And even the application process has to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think with the MCAT and with everything, just make sure you're ready. Make sure you're peace of mind. And one thing I, I recommend anyone that's in that position, whether it's a retake or their first time, is save one of the official exams to like four or five days before your real exam. Mm and don't look at any portion of it and then the score you get on that assume that's going to be the score on the real thing and if you're not happy with it don't take it hmm. just just wait you yeah. know so that worked out really well for me, and I ended up actually scoring the exact same on my last practice as to my first.
0: Awesome. That's so, great. Yeah. So, you know, before we, t- I turned on the pod, we were talking, and then, you know, you kind of asked, going back to the non-traditional, you mentioned, like, your age. Right. So, like, are you—I mean, how worried are you about that? I mean—
1: you know, I have a young spirit. Okay. All right. <laughs> except for maybe worrying about, you know, my hairline receding. Okay.
0: Much. Well, I can, I, 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 know, I know what you're saying. I'm going to thin up there too. So, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: No, I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. Okay. I feel, you know, that when you get into your 30s, you actually start to really get it, I mm-hmm. feel like, and to be at this point in my life and know what I want and know where I'm headed. hmm I know I won't have the best background, the best medicine pedigree maybe of some of these other students who are all going to be incredibly intelligent. But I know that I'll have the same work ethic as, as anyone in class. And so I'm dedicated. And mm-hmm. although I'll probably have to study more, I know what I where I want to be. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I could be in four years doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And to be graduating medical school was the top of
0: my list. Yeah. So- well, Sam, I mean, we talked about it briefly, but... You know, you're not going to be the oldest person in your class. Right. And uh, I know it's sometimes daunting, like, oh, you know, just a bunch of 20-year-olds. But, like, there are some people in their 30s as well. And I think from a friendship, from a cohort standpoint, I think I think our med school has and always will have a wide variety of backgrounds and ages. And I, I think, yeah, I, I think you're going to find people just like you. And I think you're going to get along well with people who are, you know, 10 years younger than you. Yeah. yeah it's all I, good. I think yeah. so,
1: too. And, and I appreciate that. I think mm-hmm. no one should ever be deterred from pursuing any dream whether it be medicine or anything else due to age mm-hmm. you know you have stories of people in their 40s and 50s jumping into medicine after a career and something mm-hmm. else and I think if you're passionate about something you'll find a way and you'll find people who are friendly and you'll find mentors and colleagues that, that'll you know there's so many different types of people in medicine that I think you'll always find to your people mm-hmm. is what I've been hearing and
0: what I I've looked yeah, at, so. yeah. And you mentioned, you know, you know who you are, you know what you want to do. So what, I'm not going to hold you to it because obviously med school has all these experiences. You could change your mind. But as of today, what do you foresee yourself doing? What field do you want to go into? And So where as, do you as want of to today, yeah.
1: uh, I think I'm leaning towards surgery. Okay. And I, I don't want to get too specific about that, but mm-hmm. I have a huge background in, in the arts and in mm-hmm. sculpting and in painting. And also um, a couple of years ago, I bought a home that I've been slowly renovating mm. and nothing makes me happier than just like, problem solving and diving into it, to working with my hands. Um, it's cathartic in a sense. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate just kind of the, the processes and the problem solving aspect of that. And I think I'd love to be on the forefront, um, you know, creating and restoring and, and helping someone feel new again, in a sense. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I, I mean, like I said, when I shadowed, there were so many different opportunities and options that I was like, oh, I could do this and mm-hmm. I could do that. And I was so excited by all of them. Like there's very few, things that I don't think I could do. Mm-hmm. So I'll wait till third year to get real serious. Sure.
0: <laughs> and then you mentioned global health. Right. So do you foresee, I mean, what, like what, is there like an area of the world or a specific country you want to work in or, you know, how does that fit with the surgery? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I just got back from the global health trip to Ghana. Okay. Um, and they had the extreme affordability conference there mm. and Dr. Price, one of the deans here had talked about, you know, laparoscopic surgery in, in mm. uh, Mongolia and it's interesting because a lot of times you think surgery and global health—they don't quite connect. But the reality is, you know, a lot of times when you set the standards for surgery, mm-hmm. all other aspects of healthcare improve. Mm-hmm. And then also in in Mongolia, he talked about gallbladder removals. And when you do that laparoscopically, even versus normal surgery, it actually helps their economy because people are able to return to work five days later. Mm-hmm. They have much less, you know, uh, downtime. They're healthier and, and everything about that. So. It actually got me really excited. And I think surgery will tie hand in hand with that. And I'm lucky because I can focus on global health without necessarily making that a specialty. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to continue to do trips like next summer and, you know, look for other opportunities to do similar public health, you know, and mm-hmm. like maybe research or volunteering here in, in Utah.
0: You, so you mentioned Costa Rica and Ghana. Where where else have you gone? Wow. So I love to travel. Or, where haven't you gone, I so, guess? Yeah.
1: yeah uh, I've been to... Five continents, Mm -hmm. hoping to hit Australia maybe for Christmas.
0: The only continent that's a country. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: So I've been to about 30 countries. Okay, Uh, wow. Back to your original question, I guess, and to explain where I've been. um, When I was younger, I served an LDS mission in Uruguay, and I love South American culture. I, Mm -hmm. I really love the language, I love the people, I love their music, their personalities, and I think I'd like to eventually set something there long term, because I I do think global health has to be, you know, dedicated and sustainable, and in any way that you do it, you know, you have to go back. You Mm -hmm. can't just do these one-off trips to really have something, you know, beneficial long term so i like South America I think but I do Mm. want to experience other aspects I know the global health program here does trips to Nepal and India and Mm -hmm. now that I've already done Ghana Mm -hmm. I can maybe do one of those and just get another breadth of experience and
0: see how that goes that's cool you must have a lot of stories yeah any any ones you care to share with the pod Uh, stories yeah uh, Uh, I can give you topics okay Um, missed flight bad food police station. Go. <laughs> I got a good story for you. All right. So it's close to home. Okay.
1: We were in Mexico. All right. Uh, if anyone is from Arizona, it's a common place to just drive down to Rocky Point. All There's right. a bunch of condos, and it's right on the, the Gulf. Uh, coming back from there, uh, not only the week that I was there, did we have several run-ins where you know they asked for money, the mm-hmm. police are always trying to get something from you. On our way back, me and a friend were driving... And...
0: This is in Mexico. This is in Mexico.
1: So we're getting close to the border. Arizona plates. No, I'm from Utah. So Utah Utah plates. plates. I had my car. I drove to Arizona to meet some friends, and then we drove down to to Mexico. So we're driving back. My buddy's sitting in the passenger seat. Never wears a seatbelt, no matter where we go. Mm -hmm. And obviously nothing I can do about that so we're driving back and whenever you get close to the border you're always on edge anyway because that's Mm -hmm. where all the issues happen so we're getting close to the border and we drive past and this policeman tries to wave me down and I thought I'm close enough to the border like I'll just just cruise right so it's still on the Mexican side right still on the Mexican side and then I see him grab his intercom and start like yelling and running after me so I'm like all right can't escalate this. I better stop and see what's going on. So he, I stop. he pulls up to me. And since I, you know, speak Spanish, I'm able to kind of discuss things with him and kind of argue with him. And Mm. he basically tells me that, you know, since my friend doesn't have a seatbelt on, Mm. um, I need to go with him to the station to, or no, he asked me for some money. Mm -hmm. And my first thought is, Oh, I just don't. Well, tell him I don't have any. Mm-hmm. So I said, Oh, I don't have any cash, but can I pay with a credit card? <laughs> and obviously, it's basically extortion. So yeah, he, yeah. You know, he's not going to, you know, pull out his, his mm-hmm. square or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, he's like, No, no, you have to pay cash. Why don't you come with me to the station? And I was like, Oh, great. Now he wants me to go to the station. And I thought, Well, what if I just tell him I'm in a hurry? Mm-hmm. It was a Sunday. So the first thing I thought of is like, Oh, you know what? We're on our way to church. We're, mm-hmm. We really got to go.
0: Were you dressed I up in church clothes? No. Okay. No, I probably <laughs> wasn't like a tank top or something.
1: I don't know why I thought about this, but I was just like, like we got to go like yeah. i don't have time like i can mm-hmm. pay with the credit card now or like we're in such a hurry mm-hmm. that like we we got to make it to church and it was so funny because, you know, he just sat there kind of flustered like I would never expect an American to talk to me like this. Mm-hmm. And I got pretty good at Spanish. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's part of it. Once you actually speak another language well, they they respect you a little bit more. And Did you
0: launch into the first discussion? Or... Yeah, no. no. it was not appropriate at that moment. <laughs> yeah, not at that time.
1: <laughs> okay. uh, but then we kind of continued to discuss things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, eventually he was just like, fine, get out of here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I buddy buckled the seatbelt and we we took off. So
0: you never know what you'll find when you're traveling. but. It's a good story. Thank you. All right. And then, um, let's talk about your nickname. Okay. So is it your spirit animal? What is it? Let's talk. It is spirit slash
1: power animal. Okay. Uh, I think I was in college. Uh, we did one of those, you know, find your power animal, Indian shaman, self help Mm -hmm. guide things. Uh, I think we saw it off like Robin big or something where Mm -hmm. he went to an actual shaman. So we basically just did whatever the shaman did. Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of copied it. And it's interesting because I'm a Gemini, Mm. and at the very end of this little tail journey thing, you kind of look up in the smoke and you're supposed to see an animal. And I actually saw two Mm. fitting of the Gemini, you know.
0: The twins, yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, one was a bear and one was a saber-toothed tiger. And there's really nothing about saber-toothed tigers, probably because Indians didn't have that in their culture. But bears, interestingly enough, really became something I felt very connected to, uh, just by learning about what that means, and you it was just kind of a fun thing. And interestingly enough, this was years and years before I I planned to get into medicine, but um, bears are always known as, across all cultures, whether it's in Russia or Native Americans, or anywhere that there's bears, they're revered as very wise old spirits that are traditionally seen as the shamans and healers of their tribes. So I kind of thought it was kind of a cool story in the sense that, you know, continuing with that nickname, um, I will be able to do that for my own tribe, my own people, and and maybe take on that role myself. so.
0: So... Does your family and friends call you
1: Bear? Uh, a few people. Okay, it's not too much. I actually put that on the card because I figured there'd be another Sam, and it'd be a fine nickname to go by. Okay,
0: so you're prepared for your classmates to call you Bear, right?
1: Yeah. And that, what,
0: kind, what kind of bear? We're we talking black bear, grizzly uh, bear, polar grizzly bear? bear. Yeah. Okay, not a polar bear. Not a polar bear. Okay. okay. I like them all. Okay. They're know, all good bears. I'm, I'm a big bear fan. I, yeah, that has a lot of talking to missions. Like, oh, let's <laughs> we'll, we'll hear the story between uh, you know Sam's nickname. So yeah. it's very unique. We Thank love it. You. So, all right. Um, Did we cover everything on your piece of paper? I mean, I wrote down a lot of things, but I think we did. Yeah. What else do you want to say? Let me turn the time over to you. Do you have questions for me? Or what else do you want to say, Sam? Or Bear? Bear. (laughs) Sam Bear. Uh,
1: You know it's funny, actually, is I I got a Shiba. I have a dog, Mm -hmm. and I named him Kuma, which means bear in Japanese. So it kind of goes
0: in a lot of different ways, and, and I think there's a picture of she, of I, Kuma on the back there of your card. All right, yeah. He, Quite a few of your classmates have animals. Yeah, a lot of dogs we've noticed. Yeah, yeah. So. I think it'll be fun
1: to get out and, and mm-hmm. bring the animals out, whether we go hiking or whatever. So, no, you know, I think as an nontraditional student, the last thing I'd say is just you know, use your strengths, focus on who you are, and most of all. You know, when you're writing your story, mm-hmm. uh, find a real mentor. Find someone who who went on a similar path. Um, like I said, my friend that's at UCLA was a huge impact for me. And and just be yourself. You know, I think sometimes when you apply, especially when you reapply, mm-hmm. you get really stressed and everything gets magnified. And when you're non-traditional, you start questioning like, oh, am I risking so much? And And really, like I said a little bit before, you know, once you get in, you could be doing a million things in four years, but how lucky we are to, to be able to study medicine and to be able to be healthcare providers that I couldn't picture any future happier than, than that. So I just, yeah. you know, kept chugging along.
0: So let me tell you, like, before I wind up, Sam, I really appreciate you coming on. Let me tell you a secret. Maybe it's not a secret because we're on <laughs> the pod. I have always rooted for you and it, I always, I just felt bad that you didn't get in the first times, but I was so happy when you got in and the big secret is is like as admissions dean i definitely have people i root for and Mm -hmm. sometimes i get in and sometimes i don't but i'm really glad that you kept on pushing and trying and growing and i think that was validated by you getting into multiple schools i'm just glad you're here at our school so yeah i've been pulling for you i've been rooting for you and i was really happy it happened for you this year so
1: that means so much to me you have no idea because when you go through the process you don't know what people think about you and with you, especially like I, especially this last time, I listened to your your podcast a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, even just considering my future in medicine, once I got accepted, just planning out what I would be, and then once I got into the U, obviously, it just it was euphoric to kind of come full circle and be able to stay in Utah where. I'm so happy to be. I love the mountains. I love the people, and mm. you know, I love the school. So that means so much to me. I
0: like, mm. really don't understand. So mm. I appreciate it, Sam. Yeah. I'm glad we're gonna have to have you come back after the. You know, we're, I want you to come back and have like like stats reports. Like, <laughs> how's the first year going? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, because again, like, you know, you're on the cusp. You know, like everyone has images of, or you know, like this is what medical school is going to be like, right? right? And not until you actually step in as a student on your first day and then experience it, can you like, oh. This is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Oh, this is really different, you know. Yeah. And I I would just love to watch you and talk to you about that over the next 4 years as yeah. you grow into that. I think so. it's going
1: to be a lot of work, but yeah. but I can get
0: myself to work. So. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks Sam. Well, thank or you. or thanks Bear. Bear. <laughs> thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.